week and week, uh, weeks, and we're continuing with that. And today we're going to look at this aspect of it, but uh, I'll be testing you on what you remember of our uh, uh, vision statement and our mission statement. But uh, who, me, yes, me. Who, me, yes, me. That is our title today. Who, who, me? Yeah, yes, me. I was in a, a school assembly this week, and what we do in, sometimes in school assemblies is we will ask children to put their hands up if they want to answer a question. So we'll ask a question, and then you'll see all these hands going, and then you choose one of the children, yes? And then what you do is you spend the next three or four minutes working out which one it is that uh, you meant. Because what happens is you say, yes to the child and you point at the child you meant to speak to and you want the answer from and three children start speaking at once. At which point you go, uh, no, 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 not you, no, the one just to the left. No, not your left, my left, yes? Uh, uh, and then, they, then you say, yes. And then they, all three children start speaking again because they don't know which one you mean. And it's quite, it's quite amusing as you see, you try and work it out, which of the children is actually gonna answer the question course, we celebrate it. But sometimes, actually, we're not sure if God means us specifically. And it's not only you lot and me lot who thinks like that. Sometimes God is saying stuff to us, and, and we genuinely answer, who? Me? And we're going to be looking at that today. And hopefully, we'll even get to the Second part of that, who, me? Yes, me. Wonderful. Turn to your neighbor and say, who, me? Yes, me. Yeah. In fact, that's confusing you because you don't know which neighbor to turn to. Yes. Who, who me? <laughs> who, me? Wonderful. So there we go. So who, me? And so next, uh, so I wonder if anybody could say what our... Don't put it up yet, because I am, am going to click. I'm going to click, yes. Who reckons they could actually say what our vision statement is, roughly? It, it, roughly, that is absolutely brilliant, bringing people to Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, give that man a round of applause. Obviously, Josie. You get all the glory, because you're my favorite. Yeah, don't tell anybody else that I've told that they're my favorite. Sorry, Joyce. Yeah, <laughs> all right. There we go. Oh, I'm, just, I'm clicking it along on here, and I need to click it along on here, don't I? I wonder why it wasn't going. And now, I don't know what's this on this in front of me. There it is, introducing people to Jesus Christ. And the first part of that, does anybody remember what the first, oops, oh, you've had a little glimpse there. Who reckons they could say what the first part of our mission is? You just had a little glimpse. Helping people to understand, I'm gonna I put you out of your misery, but you're all doing brilliantly well, yeah? Put your hands up if you don't want to be asked this question. Oh, look, that's good. <laughs> Helping people. I, I always feel I don't like to turn my back on the screen. Uh, no. Helping people to understand, sorry, helping people understand and experience him or Jesus Christ. It's good, isn't it? Helping people. 
So it's directly, it's not just uh, understanding and experiencing Jesus Christ ourselves, it's helping other people to experience and understand Jesus Christ. And the next one, this is what Nicole spoke on last week. Show his lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. Nicole's in uh, Jersey today. She's gone to visit the orangutans at the zoo. So she's left me in charge to say show his lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. Who was here for Nicole's sermon last week? There's lots of you. But if you have missed it, you can catch up either on YouTube channel or indeed on our Spotify uh, channel. You just have to type in Eldad Elim Church and it will take you right there. And it's a really good resource. I often, even though I've heard other people's sermons, I often listen to them again because in the, in the cotton thrust of being here on Sunday mornings, you miss bits, don't you? Do you find that? Yeah? Obviously, you don't respond because you're thinking, oh, he'll think I'm not listening properly and don't always remember the points. But I, if you're anything like me, that's what would happen. Yes. Uh, and this week is the one that we're looking at today, which is grow all his purpose in all our lives. So that's everything that God has in store for you you and you and me in all of our lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everything that God had planned for your life, the life that he created, the life he loves, the life he died for, the life he rose again for, the life he sent to empower you with his Holy Spirit with, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful if all his purposes all his plans were filled in your lives? Yes, there we go. Uh, just, uh, just a little reminder. Yes, you can, you can respond. Shall we have a little practice? Hello. Yeah, uh, I'm very good looking. No, you can, you can just repeat after me. I'm very good looking. No, this is you. You're saying this about yourself. Yeah, yeah, all right. So when, when I ask for a response, just, just humor me. Yeah, I actually want to hear what you have to say, because let's be honest, what you have to say is probably better than what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so who would love it if all of God's plans and purposes were fulfilled in their lives? Yes. Who only wants 50% of them to be fulfilled in their lives? None of us, but I'd be, I'd be happy if, if I had any of God's plans and purposes fulfilled in my life. Amen? Yeah? Of course you would. Of course you would. You know what, you know what God's plans and his purposes fulfilled in my life? Who, me? Yes, me. Who, me? Yes, me. Well, that is what we absolutely believe is God's plan for our church. Introducing people to Jesus Christ. Yes, helping people to understand and experience him, uh, his lifestyle becoming our lifestyle, and then all his purpose in all our lives. Amen. Yeah? Amen. We can, you know, oh, how wild is that? But, but let's be absolutely honest. You know, that's, sometimes it's hard for us to grasp that God's plans for us are 
can be a reality. Because we're, we're humble people. You know, we're humble people. We, you know, we genuinely do have that whole who me, yes, me thing. Yes? Oh, is it my turn? No, I'm sure it's your turn. Yes? Is it my turn? No, no, I think it's your turn. I think you were here first. Unless, of course, you're in a queuing situation. Yes? If you're in a, uh, if you're in a queuing situation in Guernsey or in the UK, yes, if you get to the front of the queue... And then they say, who's next? Yeah? And you say, who, me? All the people behind you are like, yes, you, get on with it. Yes. You know, if there's some indecision in that moment, if they don't run over to the counter, then we're cross, aren't we? Yeah? I wonder. I wonder if in God's plans and purposes, you know, that might be a good approach. Actually... You know, we're at the front of the queue, and God's saying, next, please, and it is you, yeah? And just like we're cross with the person in front of us at the post office, if they don't go straight away, or in my situation at the co-op, and there's people wanting to pay with cash, you see, so they don't want to use the serve-yourself uh, thing, and then you know, there's a bit of indecision. Yeah, yeah, you know, actually, it is your turn. It's your turn. Go on. It's your turn. Howard, it's your turn. Go on. Yeah. God wants to say to you, yeah, all my plans in all your lives. It is your turn. Who me? It is you. It is you. I've got plans and purposes for you. Anyway, let's read some scriptures. Who me? Yes, me. There we go. Oh, this is good. This is good. Shall we, if you can see it, shall we all read it out together? Yes? Right, it's John 15, 16, and we'll start at the you did, yes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hallelujah. What does that, what does that say? It says... You did not choose me. I chose you. Who did God choose? He chose you. You can tell your neighbor that. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He did. He chose you. And, and I've got lots of these wonderful scriptures. But I get it. I get it. You know, this whole, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had these powerful experiences of God that we read about in the Bible where it's like, blindingly obvious that God chose us and that he has plans for our lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that happened? Yeah, it would be great. But I'll be honest with you, when I look at them, it's not so obvious even for those people. You know, if you remember in Gideon, uh, where is it? In Judges chapter 6, uh, I think it's verse... Uh, the writing's always so small. Verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the... So it's verse 11, actually. Of Judges chapter 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah uh, that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where, is, uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, 
And then he goes on to say, well, I'm the least in my family. My family is the smallest. It's the most pathetic. It's, it's awful. God is saying, you. And Gideon is saying, who, me? And he's definitely saying, not me. He says, I'm the smallest. I'm the littlest. I'm the, uh, the tiniest of all of these guys. Yeah. And uh, who else do you have? Sam, uh, so when Saul became king of Israel. Do you remember this situation? Um, Samuel had all the nation's tribes line up and he picked them out uh, 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 tribe by tribe till he got to to the right tribe and then family by family and then uh, and and so on and so on uh, until it came to Saul. Yes, Saul knew he was going to be the king of Israel. Yes, Saul knew he was going to be the king of Israel uh, because Samuel had had that conversation with him already. Yes, the, the deed was done. The deal was certain. And when it came to the moment when he was being made the king of, of Israel, where was he? Do you remember where he was? Anybody remember? He was hiding in baggage reclaim. That's where he was. That's where he was. You can read it. Uh, for yourself in 1 Samuel chapter 11. Yeah, and this is, yeah, and the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out. As he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. This is the king of Israel hiding in the baggage reclaim. That, it doesn't feel very much like the ordination of King Charles III, does it? He was hiding in the baggage. Yes, this is your great king. I have anointed him as a ruler of your mighty nation. Where is he? He's hiding in baggage reclaim. That's where he is. I love it. it goes on to say, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Hiding in the baggage. Who me? Yes, me. Who me? Yes, me. Who you? Yes, you. God's all God's purpose, all his purpose in all our lives. Who you? Yes, you. Who me? Yes, me. Sorry, that's a different scripture. But we've read that one. We've got a few more of these. Now, did you? Oh, now, you, I don't even know. You, you, you probably know this because you're well-read people. Do you want the next one is? Well, we'll just leave it there for now. Yeah. King David. So you remember the famous time he was anointed to be king? Do you remember that when all the brothers were brought down and, uh, and Samuel's picking out saying, oh, look at this one, it's huge, and so on. And God says, no, you don't look at the outward appearance. That's what we normally do, isn't it? Don't look at the outward appearance. Look at the heart. Did he become king at that moment when he was anointed by the prophet of a... Of a the nation? No. And uh, that wasn't the only time he was anointed king, although he was anointed king. 
then. Actually, there's a time later where the, tri uh, where the, the tribe of Judah, they anointed him as king over the nation. That's what they did. They anointed him as king over the nation. Who, me? Yes, me, but there's still some sort of doubt here, isn't there? He's not anointed once. In fact, he's not anointed twice. Before King David assumes his position as the king of all Israel, which we all know he became, how famous it is, this is the king, the greatest king that, that the nation of Israel ever had. He was anointed three times. The question was asked, who, me? Yes, you. What? Who, me? Yes, you. Twice. Who, me? Yes, you. The third time. Anointed. For those of you who don't know what that is, you didn't see the coronation because it's basically the same sort of process. They anointed him with oil and he became king. But they did it three times on three very separate occasions because there was always that question. Who, me? Yes, me. But of course, God looked at his heart. You only have to read the Psalms, don't you? I sent a Psalm off to, to Scott this morning just to encourage him as he's ministering over at Delancey. It's the, it's the Psalm of David. It was just... You could just see that see the purpose of God, this passion for God dripping out of this guy. Wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. And then you look at people like Isaiah, and, I think, and that's my favorite one. You know, when he sees the, uh, has that glorious and wonderful vision in Isaiah chapter 6. And the start of that, uh, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And he said, woe to my, me. I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. In that moment, God is saying, I'm, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And he is definitely, definitely saying, who me? I don't think so. Can you imagine the, the awesomeness of that sight? Just the sheer drama of that moment. You know, heaven before him and and the wonders of all those heavenly beings and the noise. And, and, and God says, who will go for me? 
And he hears himself saying, I love that, don't you? Let me just read that. Uh, With that, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Now, we're probably not going to have an experience like that. I'd like to think you will. I had a very clear calling to the ministry. But not all of us will have that wonderful, super clear feeling like that. But I actually think that in that moment, Isaiah didn't feel huge. He didn't stride out of that plane. Yes, I am called by God. I will go and speak for you. I actually think that in that moment, he felt anything other than great. He has just seen the holiness of God. There's no way he felt up to any task that God was giving him. I think maybe internally he says, yeah, I'll, I'll go. But I can't see what the difference my efforts are going to make. You know, who am I? Who, who am I? Who, who am I? I'm nothing here. And I think that's probably a little bit more common for us. You know, but God is calling us. And uh, I just want to, I have to be careful of time, because, you know, when you're talking about God and the fact that he has purposes for our lives, is pretty special, isn't it? But I think, well, how, how do you even find out what you're supposed to be doing? How do you even know that? You see, for me, it was very fortunate because, you know, I I absolutely knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. I remember the moment. I remember the song we were singing. I remember the occasion. I remember how old I was. I remember the steps I took after that. I I remember uh, all about it. I know what happened. I know what God said to me. And not for more than half an hour have I doubted what God has said to me throughout the last 30-odd years. I haven't. Now, most people are not in that sort of situation. And I feel guilty sometimes because I think, well, I'm, you know, well, what's everybody's problem? I knew what God's called me to. Yeah. Pretty easy. You know, God reveals himself to you, says, Howard, go and be a pastor. Easy peasy. But through my 30 years or so, I've realized that God calls us. And he calls us all differently. Probably I'm a bit of an outlier, really. A bit more unusual. It's a bit jammy, really, isn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not fair, yeah? I had a, and, and actually, my experience since then has actually taught me that how God brings people into his plans and purposes is much more interesting and exciting than mine. Mine, it was nice and easy, but it's a bit dull. 
actually how God calls us and helps us discover how we are going to change the world for him is so much more interesting. Now, have any of you ever heard of a food place called Jar Jar Bazaar? Has anybody ever eaten at a place like that? Oh, this is is interesting. Well, let me tell you about it. And you will have eaten, or some of you will have eaten at places like it. It's an all-you-can-eat international buffet. Uh, Do you know of one? You've been to one. Now, who has been to an all-you-can-eat international buffet? Put those hands up high, yes. Rub those bellies and regret. Yeah, I remember that when I went, it was a precious and wonderful time. And I went round all... It was, it, the, the, this particular one has different areas of international cuisine. So you can go to the you know, the Indian subcontinent, or you can go to Thai, uh, or you can go to English fish and chips. It's not as exciting, is it? You know, but but fish and chips is good, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, but and all these things, and you, and, you know, most people wander and they go from place to place to place to place, having a look to see what they fancy. Now, when they go home, they completely regret the experience and they promise themselves they'll never do it again, yes, because they've consumed too much food. But I, I actually believe that discovering God's purposes for us is a little bit like that. You get to choose. You get to try. You get to investigate the different options. Actually, what what is it you'd like me to to have a go at, Jesus? How am I going to discover the plans of uh, that you have for me? And Jesus says to us, "Have a little try. See what you like. See what catches your interest. I've created you as somebody who has imagination." and creativity, I'd like to see what you think. Jesus does that with us because he trusts us. He created you. He created you in his own image. And is he creative? Yeah. Is he imaginative? Is he wonderful in his outlook on life? Yes, of course he is. And he's given all of those characteristics to you. And he says, hey, I want to see. I want to see what you feel could be most effective for the kingdom of God. I, and, and, and Jesus isn't trying to shove everybody into joining the worship team. Uh, yeah, although that is truly wonderful. Thank you. Let's give some high fives along here. I can't get, there we go. That's a high five, Martin. You can Google it. Yeah, the... <laughs> the <laughs> The, uh, sorry, I've not got time, obviously, you know, but the, the uh, yeah. But God is, is saying, I want you to try things. Maybe it's a youth thing. Maybe it's, uh, do you know, one of the wonderful things I love is that administration is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? You can Google that. You can just go and use your Bible topical index and find it for yourself. But it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you now, Yes. And that's not, that is genuine, yes? You know, 
God has all sorts of wonderful things. And that creativity that he has given to you, yeah, he says, he gives it to you. I've got plans for you. Let's see. Let's see you discover all the wondrous creativity. Let's see the lives that are transformed by you having a go. They all you can eat buffet of discovering the plans that Jesus Christ has for you. Now I'm going to finish just with uh, this. Oh man, I've got too much to say. But I just see, <laughs> I've got this scripture here. Oh, there it is. Oh, it's already there. Thank you. Did I put that up there? And I intended to do so. <laughs> so <laughs> this is actually, this is just uh, the most wonderful moment. You, rem you remember the story of a Gerasene demoniac? That was the one called, uh, had demons upon demons upon demons, and Jesus cast the demons out of them, and they went into the herd of pigs. Do you remember this story? Yeah? Do you remember this story? And then he ran down the hill and into the, to the lake, and they drowned. And, and I always wonder what happened to the demons after that. That's what I always was. So it's the question I'm always thinking, what happened to the demons? Did they escape and go and do something bad? Yes. Or was that it? Yeah. Actually, what is happening there is then the people of the village came to Jesus, yes, and to the man, and they found him sat at Jesus' feet in his right mind and, crucially, clothed. Now, when I was looking at that, I was thinking, who clothed him? That, that's genuine. I was thinking, who, you know, obviously, there's a wonderful miracle set free from all the demons. Now that's a calling from God. Huh? That's the big stuff, yeah? You know, all these the demons being cast into the pigs. That's the big purpose. God, all God's plans. All God's purpose in all our lives. But actually, if you read the start of, of Luke chapter 8, it says that there was a group of women that accompanied Jesus in his ministry and that they provided... Uh, in certain ways, Mary Magdalene, uh, amongst others, and uh, and I, you know, and I sort of think, well, when you get to this bit, is it one of Jesus's disciples that had a spare set of clothes? Was it one of these ladies that had a spare set of clothes? But somebody found him some clothes. Somebody found him some clothes, and I think, well, you know, that's not the big stuff in this story, is it? But actually, that stuff counted, huh? That man's dignity was restored as soon as somebody found him some clothes. That man had been naked for years, smashing himself up and others up as well. Chained. He used to break through his own chains. So goodness me, the scars upon his body. And then he was there, sat at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. Somebody took care of him. And it, that wasn't the person who did the big demon casting out. That was somebody who saw all God's purposes in all their lives. 
they did this little things. And, and, and God is calling us to, to use our creativity, to use our love, and to discover his purpose for all our lives, not just yours, all ours. And I just want to finish with this last uh, thought, and I'll invite the musicians up just to give you hope rather than any indication that I'm going to stop. The, uh, and, and that is, you know, I, uh, I sometimes run in the dark. Yes, and I have a head torch. Does anybody else have a head torch here? Who else has a, who else has a torch that they use on a regular basis? Just put your hands up. Not many of you. This is interesting because over in the West, over in Kobo, where we live, it's much darker than this city you live in, this, this metropolis of St. Peterport, you know, this 24-7 society that you live in over on this side of the island. Well, out in, in, in the West where, you know, it gets really dark. But in the summer, you don't need your head torch. You don't need your head torch. And so, basically, it gets shoved under the bed. Yeah? It gets shoved under the bed. And when it comes, when the nights start drawing in, yeah, then you think, oh, where's that head torch? Where's that torch that I need? Yeah. And it's, you've forgotten where it is. It's under, it's under the bed, and you have to drag it out from all those old things which are there amongst the dust. And actually, I think, you know, once you've got it on, put your head torch on or your normal torch, you turn it on and you can go out in the dark. And it's great, isn't it, going out with a torch? You see, oh, yeah. In Kobo, you see these little, you see the runners and all you see is these little lights just bobbing up and down in front of you. Well, that's all you see, even coming towards you, a little light bobbing up and down. It's very strange. But what I'm saying is that back to that chapter, Luke chapter 8, it says, you know, who has a light and shoves it under their bed? Yeah, they don't. They take it out. And they put it where it's going to shine light in the situation. And as we are called to introduce people to Jesus Christ, Christ has given us all a little head torch. And for some of us, it's still tucked away under our beds because we haven't realized how dark it is. And God says to you, I want you to get out your little light. Are we going to finish with this little light of mine? <laughs> yeah. He wants you to tuck it out, pull it out, and start to use that light because the light of Christ shines on you in the darkness. If you have decided to follow Jesus Christ, the light of Christ shines for you. And when we decide to start looking for ministries, for opportunities to serve the risen Christ, to start seeing his purposes in our lives, in all of our lives, then in that moment, we pull out that light from under our bed and we hold it up high 
for people to see. And God is calling us today. He's calling us today. He's calling us today to, to allow this wonderful truth of all his purposes in all 